0: inadvertently, you might have noticed that I put July the 4th instead of July 1st on the, on the date for that. It's not the only mistake that I did. Uh, somehow or another, today's sermon is not in the machine, so you're going to have to look at me instead of the screen today. But uh, uh, that's just the way it is. <laughs> and I really uh, feel badly about this because I had a couple of pictures that I really wanted you to see. Uh, most of us... That are a little older. Some of you weren't alive at the time, I, I guess. But most, those of you that weren't alive yet have definitely seen pictures of it and I know you've read about it. The fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, I can remember so vividly watching Tom Brokaw, uh, as he was there in front of the wall as the East Berliners were pushing that wall over, tearing it apart, brick by brick and pushing the cement slabs over, uh, there had been a growing sense of freedom in the, uh, USSR, the communist bloc nations. Uh, demonstrations had been going on for several months. In fact, uh, so much so that Poland had actually become free. They were no longer part of that. They, uh, they had broken out of the, the, that block of communist nations. Uh, Nikita Kustrav had built the wall in 1961. It built it because, uh, it, primarily in Berlin because those that were behind in the communist bloc nations, and particularly Germany, were trying to reach for freedom in the West. Uh, and so they built that wall to confine them, actually making a prison out of their nation. Nikita Khrushchev had actually been in uh New York to the UN, and there he bound uh banged the the desk uh in the UN with his shoe and said, We will bury you. Uh, he was mistaken. He misjudged the desire for freedom and the strength of faith. Indeed, uh the USSR crumbled uh that. That demise came when Mikhail Gr- uh, Gorbachev was uh, the premier there. Uh, in 87, Ronald Reagan went to Berlin uh, and made a speech. Uh, there he he challenged, he says, tear this wall down. Uh, and two years later, the wall fell. Uh, November the 9th, 19... Uh, 19- 89 the wall came down at the hands of the East Berliners the Soviet troops that were there with their weapons didn't fire a shot uh, the East Germans that were there with their weapons did not fire a shot the German people were reunited two years later in 91 December the 22nd the USSR, Dissolved. All of those nations no longer had the domineering force of of Russia behind them. Sometimes walls are a good thing and sometimes walls are not. Fences, they say, make good neighbors. Uh, they, However, when they are privacy fences or walls that don't let us see each other, they begin to create suspicion and doubt. We don't know each other. Communication stops. When we don't know each other and we're not talking to each other, then we begin to distrust each other. In the early days of Judaism, there was a tabernacle. Tabernacle had a fence or or curtain around it that kept only qualified persons in. You could go in to offer your sacrifices, but you weren't allowed into certain areas. But when the temple was built in Jerusalem, there wasn't a wall around it, as there had been a curtain around the tabernacle. At least not initially. But Herod, he was the builder, he decided to put a wall around the temple. Only Jews could go inside the wall. Gentiles could not. Uh, Herod built a lot of things. He was called the great builder. He was the one that actually restored the temple uh, to earlier glory. Uh, In fact, it was an edifice so grand that people from around the world began wanting to come see the temple. The Jews didn't like the fact that Gentiles were coming in there to to get too close to the actual temple where the altar was, where sacrifices were being made. And so, Herod built that wall around the temple, uh, around that area, so that only qualified Jews could come into that area. If you were a Gentile, not part of that covenant relationship with God, you couldn't get close to the altar. You couldn't get close to where that was. Uh one of the pictures that I wanted to show you was a stone that was with an inscription on it that was placed by the gate where you went in, and the stone reads: "No foreigner is to go beyond this uh, basturide and the palace of the uh, plaza of the temple zone. Whoever is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his death, which will follow." That stone was discovered in 1871 when the uh, Turkey or the Ottoman Empire ruled that part of the world. And that stone is now in a museum uh, in Istanbul. The dividing wall kept all Gentiles away from God. They were not allowed to come near. They were not allowed in that spot, in that place where sacrifices were made. Before Christ, people were separated from each other. They were also separated from God. You see, sin separates us from God. Our sin against each other separates us from each other. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul reminds us of, of how we are separated. And that separation comes from our sins. You see, sin keeps us apart, Uh, neighbor against neighbor, people against people. It is sin that had kept Jews and Gentiles apart. It is sin that keeps people away from God, from His presence. Sin separates us from our Heavenly Father. Isaiah would tell us that very uh, specifically. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor His ear too dull to hear, but your iniquity, uh, iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Wow, that... Sounds horrible to us, and it is. We give thanks to God because in Jesus, there's hope and there's peace. In Jesus, that dividing wall is removed. Jesus can give peace between God and man. We're no longer separated from him. There is peace between us and and the God of heaven. And Jesus brings peace between Gentile and Jew. And today... If people will take the new life that's offered in Jesus, then we can have peace with God and we can have peace among ourselves. God has made of all peoples of all different backgrounds, one people of his own. We can be united in Jesus. There's really nothing good about being in sin, even though a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, that's where you have all your fun. There's nothing really good about sin. It divides people. It causes hardship. It it breaks promises. Uh, Sin brings hostility between us. Uh, Somehow Satan has convinced us to think that, that sin is fun. And there might be momentary fun, but the end of sin is hard. It's death. The end of sin. Uh, who wants to be friends with people that are always lying to us? <laughs> uh, we think it's fun to have unrestrained sex, but, but the truth about that is disease and AIDS and troubled marriages and destroyed marriages and, and unwanted pregnancies are worse worst uh, abortion. There's nothing good in the world of sin. Living in sin is not good. Living in the middle of sin is not good. Who wants all the pain and the hurt uh, that comes with uncaring and selfish people? Uh, No one enjoys being cheated or swindled or, or maligned. Sometimes I look at families that are trying so hard to make it work when there's people from this marriage and people from that, kids from this and that and the other, and they're all trying to live together. And, 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 but it's always hard. It's always difficult. There's always hard feelings. Sin brings hurt to individuals, to people, to communities, to nations. So Paul wants us to remember what it's like to live without God or live in a world with sin. We have a tendency to think of the good old days and we forget the bad. Uh, but living in sin isn't good. Uh, and so Paul tells the Christians in Ephesus, particularly the Gentile Christians, where they where they were before Jesus where they were before they were in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, as was read a moment ago, verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by the hands of them, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, spiritual Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. As I said, most who are reading this were probably from a Gentile background, biblical mora- morality was not a term that they had understood before becoming Christians. And they might have wanted to go back, oh, the good old days. But Paul reminds them they weren't really good. For that matter, as bad as we think our moral condition is in the United States today, we're, it's not as bad as theirs were was. But, uh, Before the invitation of Jesus, these people were not part of God's people. They didn't enjoy the blessings that God's people did. If one of them, like Cornelius, a believing Gentile, went to the temple to worship God, he would have been excluded from that. That wall would have kept him from coming into God. Uh, Coming into the altar, he wouldn't have been able to be there in the actual vicinity of the temple. Confined to the courtyard of the Gentiles. Separated from God. The priest who offered prayers for the Jews and sacrifices would have been, would have been on the other side of that wall. Truth is that anyone lost in sin, Jew or Gentile, can be described in these terms. Even though the Jew that day might have had access to that, to offer the sacrifice, anyone separated from God because of sin is a stranger to the promises of God and is separated from God. Being separated from Christ is being separated from life, eternal life. Being separated from Christ is being separated from all spiritual blessings because all blessings from God, all spiritual blessings, they are in Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants, separated by uh, from Christ means having no hope, being in this world without hope. That's the definition of being in despair. A far off. Separated from God. But we praise God because in Jesus, there is peace, there is hope. Jesus enables us to come to God. Jesus enables us to have a relationship with God. Paul continues, listen again, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed The barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh, the wall or the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace or in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And so Jesus made peace between warring peoples. Between not just the Jew and the Gentile, but all the different Gentiles. He destroyed the barriers of belief and unbelief that would have separated us. He abolished the law of Moses as the justifying vehicle so that no one has to go through Moses anymore. It's through Christ. And so he makes all people new in Christ. He reconciles both Jew and Gentile together in one new body so that now we are not divided, now there are not all of the we are united in jesus he put to death then the enmity that that barrier that that hostility that existed between us he put to death the law of moses so that now even the jew comes to god through christ Gentiles were not included initially or originally in in Moses. Uh, It was a law for the Jews. And the Gentile, in essence, had to become a Jew in order to benefit from that. But ending the use of the law is how now that all of us are included. The law, which was for the Jew, was no longer the process by which sin is atoned, it's no longer the process by which we sh- we arrive into the presence of God. By uh, the source of degradation that 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 defile the Gentiles, uh, that excluded them from God. Now that's gone. All of us are united in the cross. All of us, everyone, whoever they are, from wherever they are, can have fellowship with God through Jesus. No one needs to be separated from God. Now, there are still people that are because they don't believe in Jesus. They don't follow. They're, they're not disciples of the Lord. But it's their choice. It's their choosing. It's not God's direction. Our life in Christ really is great. We need to to celebrate the relationship we have with God through Jesus. Both Jew and Gentile, we have access to God the Father through Jesus. Still in Ephesians 2, verse 18, For through Him... Two are being built together to become a dwelling in Him, which uh, in which God lives with His Spirit or by His Spirit. It's no longer necessary to become a Jew in order to have a relationship with God, in order to be saved. Gentiles are no longer strangers or aliens. All people in Christ are citizens of the kingdom of God. And therefore, we need to treat each other like family, because we are. We, we have become, or we in Christ become, a holy temple. And each one of us are part of that one structure. The The new temple, the the church, the body of believers, it replaces the one of the Old Testament, the temple that was in Jerusalem. Jesus abolished the law and the enmity with that, including the usefulness of the temple, the purpose of the temple. We still need a temple, however, to worship God. And Paul says that you and I, Christians, we compose that temple. Foundation of the temple is the apostles and Jesus being the chief cornerstone, but then we become the the bricks uh, that build together to make this temple in which lives the spirit of God. Building, there's not a place for a wall that separates disciples. In this building, all of us can come before the altar of God to offer our prayers and our sacrifices and praise. We are all in this building, fellow citizens, part of God's household. In this building, we all fit together to become God's temple. In this building, we all grow together. Grow together in strength and faith in service in usefulness. In this building, we are placed together to be a dwelling for God. There's still a lot of hostility in this world. There's still a lot of people who disbelieve. There's still a lot of people who have confused belief. In the Middle East today, they're torn with strife and war, hatred between peoples. Uh, the Arabs hate the Jews and the Sunni Arabs hate the Shiite Arabs and the Kurd Arabs uh, and the secular Arabs and the Buddhist and, and the Zins. And the world lives in a hatred for one another. But not just there. Gangs are at war with other gangs in the inner cities or even the countrysides of the United States. Democrats and Republicans hate each other, at least it sounds that way, the way they talk about each other, or even in families. Siblings, brothers get so mad at each other when they're teenagers that they leave home and never talk again. Families splintered, torn apart. A husband and a wife get so mad at each other that, and they use the children as pawns for the rest of their lives. Till the children finally grow up and are able to say, I don't want anything to do with either one of you? Unfortunately, there are some who name Jesus as their Lord, but they still allow walls of hatred and strife to exist. They don't look to the Lord for peace. They don't look to the Lord for forgiveness. They don't look to the Lord to find peace the peace that passes understanding and so that hatred spills over to, and instead of loving one another, we hate one another. How tragic that is when Jesus has brought peace, peace between not just us and God, but peace between persons. When the Berlin Wall fell, Very quickly, the East Berliners made peace with the West Berliners. They had a lot already in common, and so they found union very quickly. (laughs) When the Soviet bloc fell, I don't know if the United States and Russia have ever made peace. They may never. We'll wait and see. It'll be interesting to see in the coming weeks and months if, if... Peace might break out between the North and South Korea if they will find a unity there or if there will still be hostility there. But a great truth that we need to understand, there is peace in Jesus. There does not need to be hostility in this place, in this world. God has come. To bring peace. Oh, that we might find peace in that. In Jesus there is reconciliation. It's not a political speech, but a spiritual lesson. The real separation that is killing us is our separation between us and God. And I would suggest that when we keep having hostility between each other, it means that some of us don't have peace with God. Because if there was peace with God, we'd find a way to find peace with each other. In Christ, there is reconciliation. Whatever might divide us should not overwhelm the importance of Jesus in us. He should be supreme. Jesus calls us to love one another reach out to one another to have peace with one another. And so the question is, are we really convicted in our faith? Do we have real peace with God? If there is still hostility, seek first peace with God. Perhaps you're here today and you are still not at peace with God. You are still, that wall of, is still, a wall of sin is still dividing you from God. Water is ready. You can be baptized today for the remission of your sins and have peace with God. And then with us we might, we will work to find peace with one another and the world around us that the gospel of Jesus might be able to go into all places, to all persons, so that all might know the peace That is in Christ. Let's be standing. Hunter will lead us in another song. And if if you would like prayer, some of our prayer warriors will be in the foyer ready to pray with you. If you would like uh, to come to the front, we will pray with you. If you're ready to be baptized for the remission of your sins, all things are ready. We invite you to come.